We're back. Just like I said, we'd be back. This is For the Glory KC, where we bring a mix of in-depth Kansas City soccer knowledge and a more casual perspective. I'm Chad Smith, Associate Editor at KCSoccerJournal.com. I'm going to try to take you a little more in-depth, and I'm joined, as always, by my wife, who doesn't get a wrestling nickname because sporting didn't win at all this week, (laughs) Sheena, who gives us that casual perspective. What's up, Sheena? Hey, Chad. Hi, people who listen to us. Um, My voice... (laughs) My voice might be a little rough. I did too much socializing this weekend and my throat is hurting, but I am committed to the cause and I am here and I'm going to do my best, but my throat is really hurting. Yeah, my voice is a little strained too. Not as bad as last week, though. That was a rough one. So on today's show, Sporting KC earn a draw at the Galaxy, then they proceed to lose to the lowly Chicago Fire. The Kansas City Current win a game. Hey, that's nice. We got a lot of U.S. soccer stuff. And a little tiny digital crawl for y'all. But Sheena, what's another reason that our voice sounds like hot garbage right now? Well, last night we went to the Fallout Boy concert. We took our kiddo with us and we went with friends and I had the best time. I love Fallout Boy. I have told a few people this little tidbit about me and they thought it was a really fun fact about me. Chad's smirking because I think he knows where I'm headed with this story. But I thought I would share my love for Fallout Boy is so much so that like two years ago, I was in their 0.5% of top listeners on Spotify. And I listen to Spotify almost all day while I'm working to music or podcasts. So that's pretty cool. I feel like I deserve an award or something. Last year, it was Panic at the Disco. So you can tell I really love that pop punk uh, music. Despite you being in the top 0.5 and me not ranking at all, um, who knew every single song they played and who didn't know every single song they played? She well, they played Miss Superfan. Okay, but they played a few slow songs that aren't my favorite. Like, I'm a known hater when it comes to slow songs. And even more is I really don't like acoustic. I have to be in the right set of mind for it. So, yeah, when they got to some of their slower stuff, I... I didn't sing along because, yeah, I'm a top, I'm a point five top listener for like the songs I like. I just listen to the same songs over and over. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. What did you think of Fall Out Boy? Oh, it was it was an incredible show. I uh, we've seen them many times, and yes. uh, we've been following them since their very first record came out. Actually, our very first foray into radio. I don't know if you remember this, Sheena. When you're in college, we both in college. You had your radio show and I was your co-host. It's like life is reversed here. Yes. And I remember putting thanks for the memories on the radio show before it was like a single. And then it became super big. So you're welcome, Follow Boy. I'm pretty sure I launched that on uh, Missouri State's college radio, <laughs> The Growl. Mm. Uh, you definitely did. All of our like 30-something listeners yeah, really we're doing a lot better promote on the- it. On the podcast front, and lots of more people listen to this yeah. for some reason. So thank you, Chad. All. Yeah, thank you, you guys. Um, last week we hit over ten thousand listens, which in the scheme of podcasts, not amazing. But I can't believe ten thousand people ha- or ten thousand downloads or plays or whatever have happened for our podcast. So that's really cool. That's a pretty big milestone. I feel like for the podcast. So thank you everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. We just do this little thing because Chad loves soccer and writing about it just isn't enough. And I somehow got dragged into this. And yeah, 
Well, and 10,000 is underselling it. That's 10,000 since we moved over to Anchor, our host. We had numerous episodes on the old platform. So, yeah. But, hey, that's awesome. Either way, I'm excited. Let's yeah, talk soccer. for sure. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right. So, first, let's go the furthest back on time in time to Wednesday, where Sporting played the LA Galaxy on the road. And they earned a 2-2 draw. It started off very promising. They scored in the 12th minute, but they proceeded to give up a couple of goals before earning back a late score to draw 2-2. Alan Polito with the brace, so good for him. Uh, really quick, I just want to kind of give the beats of the game, and then we're going to just do like kind of broad questions about both games and the team after a kind of a rough week. So the, the first goal that L.A. scored, if we were bitter about Kyrie last week, well, he was really at fault on this one. He kept like the entire team on side. They get an easy header. The second goal, Kyrie's involved again. Jake Davis and him have a miscommunication, which, you know, that's to be expected between two backups. And a really, really good pass from Ricky Puig to uh, Preston Judd, former SKC2 signing, who never played for the team and then got drafted by the Galaxy. So that's that's where that game went. And then the Chicago game, this is, I feel like, much more disappointing, not just because they lost, but because they lost at home and they lost at home to a bad team. Uh, they were just sleeping, coming out of halftime, gave up a goal just moments into the second half. Chicago wins one nothing. It's just kind of a bad half clearance from Andre Ufantes that leads to the shot. Sporting had numerous chances, and they just couldn't make the final pass, deliver the shot, whatever the case may be. And let's kind of get to our just broad thoughts about this team in general. Or did you have game-based thoughts you wanted to jump in on, Sheena? No, I just have overall thoughts, and I'll get started if that's cool. Yeah, go for it. Okay, well, there's one thing I wanted to talk about before I get into my thoughts, and that's about Kyrie Shelton. I feel like he's been getting a lot of hate, and I don't know if you remember this from last night's game, that when he came on, could you hear the boos on the broadcast? Yes, it was audible when he was coming on. Not everybody, obviously, was booing, but yeah. uh, loud enough to where it was getting picked up, for sure. Yeah, I feel like my thing with Kyrie is, first of all, I just feel bad when any player gets booed. It, No matter how bad they are, they're still a person, and that just feels... It would be like if somebody booed you every time you talked at work or something like that. That's just awful. So I don't agree with that, even if you don't like a player. I don't know that... It's one thing to boo if they give up like a play when they're on the field, but yes. coming onto the field just feels extra hurtful. I I feel like it'd be hard to get into a good mindset if you're him. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he, it has to affect you in some way, right? That they don't want you out there. And I I agree with you in this general sense that don't boom when they're coming onto the field. If they screw up, you know. They're That's a different to, story. Yeah, yeah. You, can, you can pick on them. I will say, like, I'll sometimes tweet, like, ah, oh, what are we doing right here? But it's not like Kyrie can hear that in the moment. Like, he might go back yeah. and read it. I, I hope he's not reading social media comments. It's a incredibly toxic place for him. So, yeah, yeah it, it's, uh, it's a little, I don't know. It's just kind of lax tact. I just always, I know that he's probably not going to work out when he comes on. But I'm always hopeful that something positive yeah. will happen. I mean, he, he did score that fourth goal against Austin. We're all holding on to that, right? I did put last week, or I guess this week, on the KC Soccer Journal uh, a post about Kyrie because people were kind of knocking on like the blog post that you posted about how maybe we were being too hard on him. And it's like, it's a really, he's a player that I find particularly tough to not like because as a person, 
he seems like a great guy. He does a lot for the community. I know I talked about this story at the beginning of the season when we went to the home opener. He stayed for like 45 minutes after the game ended, just taking pictures and signing autographs. And I even heard that um, on Twitter that he did that after the game yesterday, despite being booed, he stayed and did autographs. And so like, I think he's a really great person. However, as a player, he's not my favorite. And it's I think people have a hard time distinguishing the two things. Like you cannot like somebody as a soccer player. I still want the best for him. I want him to be successful. I like him as a person, but he's not my favorite as a player. However, I would never boo him. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you're allowed to boo. You pay your money. You can do what you want. It's not what I would do personally. Yeah. Yeah, Um, valid. I will say you brought up the Galaxy, him signing autographs at that first game. So they, they played the Galaxy twice. Now they have two draws against the Galaxy. Uh, a little bit of a silver lining. The LA Galaxy are winless in seven straight against Sporting Kansas City. So they've got draws and losses in there, but no wins, including. I don't remember if you recall this game last year. LA Galaxy looked like they were going to win at the last second. Had a penalty kick, and then Chicharito did that paninka and just kicked it right into. I think Amelia was the keeper in that game. He caught it, and everybody kind of was like, "What are you doing, Chicharito?" But we didn't have to deal with him this week. He tore his ACL, so he was not in the game. He might not ever see an MLS field again. I don't remember that game. I will say the one thing I appreciated after the LA Galaxy game was they showed on the broadcast that um, Polito was signing stuff for LA Galaxy fans. And I think that's really awesome when players do that sign stuff for the opposing team, like their fans. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, he's a very popular player. And there's obviously a heavier Hispanic population in Los Angeles as well. So I'm sure there's people coming up just to see him, frankly. Yeah, maybe. So I did have two thoughts about the two games, uh, the midweek game and this week's game. And I think my frustration is that because if you remember, they had just played last Saturday, then they played Wednesday, and then they played yesterday. We're recording on Sunday. And my frustration with the three games is that he didn't use enough subs. And I feel like tactically, if I was the coach, which there's probably a good reason why I'm not the coach because I'm a casual fan, but... (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know hardly enough, but I I guess just thinking from a logical standpoint, I know you always throw this like stat at me that statistically when teams make more than two changes to the lineup, they're more likely to lose. However, I feel like after Wednesday's game, you throw that stat out the window because we, we just didn't handle that stretch well. And that really frustrated me because we didn't use enough subs. Like I really felt like if it were me again, going back to this, like if it were me on Wednesday, I would have played a lot of the younger guys and aimed to win two out of the three games. Like I, I'm, I just don't understand why, like by the time we got to the game last night, of course we lost. Like everybody looked exhausted. Like they couldn't play their heart out because they probably didn't have the energy. You probably had a player or two who gave it their all. And I think everybody wants to give it their all. But when you've played three games in a week, like that's it's not realistic. And that was the part that frustrated me the most about the stretch. The last time we had the stretch, we did good outside of that St. Louis game, right? Yeah, that, that was a, I think it was even three and uh, seven days on that that one because they played like Sunday, Wednesday, 
That's Saturday. right. They but did. This, yeah. one, this one, they had an extra day. I want to defend my stat a little bit. So my stat okay. about how it's statistically, you're much more likely to lose if you make more than two changes to your starting lineup, but that doesn't mean you can't sub. <laughs> so yeah. I do agree with your point that you can go to your bench. I, you know, Peter doesn't trust his bench unless his bench is older guys. Uh, but he didn't bring Roger on. I think Roger's actually come on and played pretty well when he's come off the bench and he's, he adds a spark and he sees the field really well. Even when he played left back against the Galaxy, he had some moments. And Oh, no, sorry. That was LAFC where he played left back. I mean, he scored a goal that got taken away, so he had some real moments. But I, I would say I'm with you. They, they looked gassed. And th- what this reminded me of was the end of the 2021 season where Sporting were in first place with like, I don't know, five games to go. And they could have gotten first place all the way up until the last game of the season. That was the one where Real Salt Lake had the handball in the box. We referenced this last week, actually. That wasn't called, and then they went down and scored, and a whole a whole kerfuffle happened there. But uh, MLS admitted they, they got the call wrong, whatever. But all through that, Peter made no changes to the lineup, and the guys were worn out. They were playing a lot of games. They were close together. And he kept saying, I'm trying to put the best team on the field to win, which is his pretty consistent answer on this subject. And for me... It's not about putting the best player on, like, you ended up losing all the games anyways, or like this week, it was a a loss or two losses and a draw over those eight days. But in that stretch against at the end of the 2021 season, they they were losing everything. And maybe you just sacrifice a little, play the kids for a bit, and then maybe you try to come back and steal one of those games. It's not like you're conceding that you're going to lose, but you're running your players into the ground. You end up losing them all anyways. And then you, you didn't give the young guys a chance to get experience. You, you didn't rest anybody. So they're that much more worn out as the season wears on. I don't know. I'm, I'm beat. I'm defeated. I feel like the problem with him not playing the young guys is that we just got done watching while I came in just really for the PKs, but the SKC, SKC two game where there was what seven, Yep. starters or yeah seven they loaned down seven players and from they all started sporting yep. yeah and it, who were they playing was it dallas uh, fc dallas's team north texas sc yeah so they're playing with seven you know signed contracts to sporting kansas city and it got to pks and it's like well those players are really only playing mostly on skc2 right now I would say I they did thoroughly outplay Dallas to defend them because they it was a one-one tie that they won the penalty kick shootout. But it, in MLS Next Pro, there's no ties at the end, so I, I don't know that those guys not getting more minutes in MLS has caused them to not be good enough in MLS Next Pro. I don't know; it's kind of a wash to me. But I would like to see more of them if they're not starting, at least coming off the bench, injecting life into these games. Yeah, even if it's for the purpose of just wearing down whoever they're playing, like Felipe Hernandez is a great example. And I think by now, if you've listened to this podcast regularly, I'm a pro Felipe Hernandez. He's one of my favorites. It Every time he doesn't come onto the field, especially in a stretch like this, like it really frustrates me. So I, I don't under, and he's a hustler, like he will run. Maybe he's not the best player, but he's going to hustle for you. And I don't know why players like that aren't coming onto the field. And right now, 
the only young player I can think of that's consistently starting is Jake Davis. And he's only starting because Zussi is out injured. And so is um, Caden Pierre. So it it's a very frustrating that we're not utilizing the youth. And like you were saying, and I was saying, like one of these games, they should have just played all young players hoped for the best. Like if you can get a tie in that kind of game and you win the other two games, you at least end up with six points where in the stretch we ended up with one point. A tie and two wins would be seven points. That'd be a great week. Seven, Um, yeah. So this actually leads perfectly into one of the questions I wrote down and I'll I'll throw it to you. So three games in eight days. Can we blame this down week just on fatigue or is it something bigger? It's something bigger. It's Peter Vermees' coaching, which was going to be my second point, is that he isn't coaching very well. And I'm like very passionate about this because we should have won yesterday. We probably could have won on Wednesday. Like I his coaching decisions are are awful. And it doesn't help that the players are fatigued. Like that's not doing anybody any services. But it comes down to him. He's the one who's creating the lineup. He's the one who's subbing the players. You're always saying he has a plan and with his subs. I don't understand what his plan like was last night um, and even on the Wednesday game. Like I, I just I don't understand. Polito, there's not – I get Polito is on a hot streak right now, but he can't play all three games. He's still recovering, I think, from a pretty catastrophic injury that had him out for a whole year. Like. The I mean, he can't. He, he can play him, obviously, because he, he did, but... and he scored. What did he score? Four goals over those two games. That's not right. Three goals over the three games this week, and none, none against Chicago, obviously. But yeah, I feel like, and at that point, halfway through, you take him out, give him a rest. Like the last thing you want is to re-injure him, or maybe you don't yeah. care because he's probably not going to be on the team next season. Like to me, it just feels like poor execution from P- Peter Vermees. What do you think? Let me before I go into that, you brought up Polito. So there was a story that came out in the Mexican media this week that basically said from several of these teams that none of them have actually been in contact with Sporting KC and they're just kind of resigning to the fact that he won't be available for free in the summer and they'll have to wait for him till the winter. So a little side story there for something we've talked about over and over. Okay. As far as what I think about uh, Peter's a bad coach or whatever your take is, um, I don't know that I'm down with that i i do think I didn't he has say he was a bad coach i said he he's made doing poor bad decisions. coaching so yeah bad coaching right now that doesn't mean overall as a coach he's bad just right now in this stretch like he's not doing he's not making good decisions and i thought week. at the beginning okay. yeah i thought at the beginning of the season when players were recovering he was being patient because he didn't want players later in the season to be worn out and He's like contradicting himself. He's exhausting the starters. So I, I don't know. I just I don't think he didn't want them to be worn out. It was more he didn't want to put them back in too soon so they would end up getting hurt. Well, they're going to end up getting hurt if they have to keep yeah. playing three times in a week. Like that's unavoidable. Who, who would be surprised if some of these names pop up on the injury report in the middle of this next week, right? It's pretty consistent yeah. that – Oh, there'll be a couple hamstrings. There'll be a couple, you know, this and that muscle strains. And it makes sense after kind of running these guys into the ground. So I will give a little defense of the Chicago game. Uh, Now, I think fatigue played a part. I think that's why they couldn't maybe get all the little steps to come together. But something that someone said online was 
this game or this week maybe reminded them a lot more of the first 10 games of the season than it did of, you know, the stretch run that they had in May and half of June where they were kicking butt and one of the best in the league. I agree slightly in the sense that, yes, the results were the same. And even that some indecisiveness was the same because that's what I saw against Chicago is I saw they were taking too many touches again. They weren't making quick decisions, but at least they were trying to go through the middle of the park. I feel like a lot of times they get in this horrible habit of just playing it up the wing and crossing it endlessly to nowhere. Now, towards the end of the game, they did start to send in a bunch of crosses because I think they were just getting desperate trying to make something happen. But but they were coming through the middle and it did look pretty decent. Like Gotti Kinda had some pretty good moments. Now, when you come through the middle, you, you turn the ball over sometimes and that's what happens sometimes. It just doesn't make it into a play. But I think they just need to mix it up a little bit. It was like all through the middle forever, then all crosses Let's play some long balls over the top. Let's play some up the sides and in the middle. Let's, you know, dribble and pass and make all those quick little ticky-tacky touches all through the middle. What do you think of that? I guess so. I don't know. I don't feel like I know enough about tactics to have thoughts on that. I do wonder. I, I'm a little disappointed because on Wednesday's game, I was like, oh, man, the team really depends on Gotti Kenda. Like maybe he's... I feel like every game I'm thinking when somebody is out, oh, they're the reason why we're so good. And so on Wednesday, I thought it was Gotti Kinda. And I mean, he had some good plays. I will admit that we watched this sporting game after the Fallout Boy concert, and it was after midnight. So I, I think I was awake for the whole first half. No, but you made it pretty close to the end of the first half. <laughs> yeah, I was in and out of sleep um, in the last half. So I promise this isn't how I want to be as a co-host. We've just been really busy and I'm trying to fit soccer in where I can. And if I didn't have a podcast, I probably wouldn't have watched the game and I would have gone to bed. Yeah, that's fair. So, I ended up watching all of that game. I watched half of the current game before I went to bed. We'll get to the current later. I did wake up and watch the rest. I watched the U S soccer game, the SKC two game. Uh, that actually goes to a question you have later about a lot of soccer. So we'll, we'll come back to it. But th this leads me to one of my other questions, Sheena is I noticed something in the game about Kendall McIntosh. He's given up some goals. He's not been lights out in my opinion. And it made no. me wonder, do you think McIntosh should be the starter? No. I mean, I feel pretty passionately that I think he's fine as a player. I like Pulse Camp more. I think if you listen to this, I'm always asking when Pulse Camp comes back. So I I don't think McIntosh is going to not be the starter until Tim is ready, unless he gets hurt. Like, I don't know why Peter Vermees gives him the opportunities when he makes mistakes. But when Pulse Camp made mistakes, he switched out for Pulse Camp or Melia. So, yeah, I I think he's part of the problem, but I don't think anything's going to change. Yeah, I, I would think that he's got to be walking a, a tightrope at this point because you need your goalkeeper to come up and make an exceptional save here or there. And he did have a pretty decent diving save in the game, but... Part of it, when I saw it from the angle that behind the the guy had taken the shot, he didn't have to go very far. It wasn't like it was 
really incredible save. It looked a lot better on the live camera than it did on the replay. So I think he's not doing enough of that where he just makes an incredible play and it's like, man, that should have been a goal. And it wasn't. You didn't watch the first chunk of the SKC2 game, but Pools Camp had several of those plays. Sporting KC2 dominated against North Texas, but but they set around and gave awful turnovers a couple of times that left Pulse Camp like one-on-one with defenders, and he made the plays. So he didn't give up any goals on plays like that. He gave up on one where a ball just kind of pinged. It was a turnover, and it pinged around a little bit in the box, and you know somebody shot through traffic, and he dove late. But I think Pulse Camp deserves to start, and you know his poor feet be darned. He can just kick <laughs> him out of bounds sometimes if he has to, because hey, at least I'd he's rather not that punching them constantly. That's right. We still have that question about like, does any, do you love anything in life more than Kendall McIntosh <laughs> loves to punch the ball instead of catching oh, it? I don't remember who said that, but that's like that a, a line. line. It's a like line. when our kiddo says, that's a knee slapper right there. It gets me every time. <laughs> yeah, I it's just like it something stupid, but it makes me laugh. <laughs> So speaking of Instagram questions, mm-hmm. I think that's a good transition point. We got a question on Instagram from Colson underscore Ricker. He said, what's y'all's opinion of the team? Good, bad, or mid? Which I love because uh, MJF, the wrestler, he's always saying things are mid. And I think it's it's kind of in the, the universe right now. The kids are saying it a lot. So what oh, do you think, Sheena? I have never heard of that. When I saw he put mid, I was like, oh, he must just mean like, mid okay like i didn't yeah. really understand yeah, that's, what it means. that's what it means yeah i mean so, that would make sense good bad or um, mid, Gina? i don't i wouldn't say they're doing good right now i think they're mid to bad i think the next couple games are going to really determine my full thoughts on this answer because they do have a week until their next game it's next saturday so all these players sh- should have a week off i mean outside of the practices and stuff but should hopefully rejuvenate them. And then let's just see what team shows up. Is it still a fatigue team or are they going to show us some passion? Cause I feel like from the last couple games, I haven't really seen what have felt like passionate sporting Kansas city soccer. So I, I'm undecided on this, but I'm leaning towards a mid to bad. Hopefully Peter Vermees uses subs better and he plays some of the younger guys. Like this is, frustrating to me and it has to be frustrating to them like they have these contracts on the team and they can't even get playing time and I get I get there's too many players and not everyone can play but the way he rotates players is just mind-boggling to me what do you think yeah I'm definitely leaning more towards mid which is like a very cop-out answer right but he did give me it as a choice because they were world beaters for six weeks they looked amazing like they could have beat anybody and they could make a run and then they had this what i've been calling their no good very bad week where they played three games and only got one point that's you know it's not good enough it's not acceptable so despite all that they're only four points out of the last playoff spot again so you just got to go on a run at the right time. And if they get on a run heading into the playoffs, it could all be fine. That said, they've played more games than literally anybody else in the Western Conference now because of that midweek game. They're at 21. No other team has more than 20. So they got some making up to do. It feels like with them, well, now that I know they've played more games, like that makes it even tougher for them to gain points. It's just the mismanagement of the three game stretch is just very unfortunate because 
the fact that you only got one point just is it's disappointing. And we yep. were disappointed in the last three game stretch and they got more points, but we had that beat down from St. Louis. So yeah. it kind of took away from the fact that we tied LAFC and we won whoever the other game was. The fact I even remember LAFC is pretty amazing to me. Seattle Sanders. And yeah, okay. I was going to say Portland, so I was at least in the right part of the country. Yeah, honestly, I might be wrong. That might not be the no, right, stretch, right stretch of games. So uh, it's actually Minnesota. I looked it up. Oh, so, okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, but they did they did beat uh, Seattle the week before Minnesota, so that's okay. probably why you're thinking that. So, okay, I want to bring up something that you kind of alluded to. Gotti Kinda, congratulations, by the way, young man. Yes. You had, uh, had your first child, so that's why he missed the game on Wednesday. It was for the birth of his child. beautiful baby. Always saying be- everybody's baby's beautiful. I know. They, they grow we gotta into- keep it up. Okay. <laughs> then they turn hey. into terror toddlers and sassy three nagers and right, right. Maybe I'm just talking about our kid. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I want to blame a little bit. Like, oh, he didn't have Marinos Johnny's who is away with Cyprus, and he, you know, he missed the first two games of the week, and he only caught the third game, but a lot of other teams are missing a lot more players, so I yeah. can't put too much weight of that and. Sporting's got to respond. They responded after their rough start. They need to respond again, or they're at risk of it all being for nothing. This actually, oh, do you have another question? Because I have a question for you. Well, I was saying not only, I think you start losing fans again. If you continue another bad stretch, you start to lose the fans again. And you're going to hear more boos. And it's unfortunate Kyrie's the one taking the brunt of it. It really should be Peter Vermees if anyone's going to boo that is who should be boo like you should be booing at him. He's the one making the decision to put Kyrie on the field as a right back. Um, so direct yeah. your boos at him, not at Kyrie. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe they were booing Peter. Like, hey, we're booing your decision to put this guy on the field. But they need to clarify <laughs> their boo. Boo Who's Peter, not boo Kyrie. Boo yeah. Peter. So I got to be very yeah. specific. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna, well, thank you for do clarifying. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this led me to to my question is the season, you know, they've played 21 games, so they only have 13 to go compared to some of these other teams have a lot of games to go. They've got a few more games here until we take a big break. So they play, uh, let's see, four more times before we go into the League's Cup. So it's a little busy stretch here from July 1st to the 15th. They have four games, two on the road, two at home. And then there's a month of the season that everything stops, or more than a month, really, for the League's Cup. So do you think they should punt on the season and focus on trying to win the League's Cup? Because if you win, you beat all these Liga Mekis teams, and you get this the first team to ever win this version of the trophy. Like, the League's Cup existed before, but it was, like, nonsense. This is, like, legit. Okay, well, before we get into that, does that mean we're not missing any sporting games while we're in New Zealand? I mean, we are because we're missing the League's Cup games. Yeah. Oh, I mean, but no, like regular season games. Correct. Yes, they okay. are. That It all comes while we're gone. So my thoughts on this is that they shouldn't focus on the League's Cup games because if they can't even beat Chicago, who has a pretty bad record, they're playing Cincinnati, who I think has the best record in the league or like one of the yes, best records. By, by far the best record. They're way yeah, ahead of everyone. Yeah, and then they're playing Chivas, and they're a really good team. So yep. I don't think you go for that. If you can't beat teams within your own like conference that are bad, then not saying it can't happen, but 
the likelihood is you should just focus on trying to get a playoff spot and hope your team gets hot come playoff time. That seems more like a lot more manageable to me. I feel like yeah. you think differently. What do you think? I want to win everything. I can't help it. But there is a risk of running your team into the ground, right? If they yeah. go into this and they advance deep into the competition, statistically, they're very unlikely to win, right? It's every single MLS team along with almost every single Liga MX team. So you got to beat like 40-something teams to get there. I mean, you know, you don't have to beat them all. But they'll, they'll have to get through quite a few games to get to the finals and win a trophy. So it's unlikely they get a trophy out of the thing. The only, the only problem is if they go and they play the two games, they're spread across a week. There's a week between the Cincinnati and the Chivas game versus Chivas and Cincinnati both get short rest for their games, which I think is kind of interesting. It leaves them at a little bit of a disadvantage. It's a chance yeah. that Sporting could take advantage and get out of the group. But, but if they don't advance out of the group, there's a long rest. I don't know why I'm saying the word but twice every time I say but. That's weird. I don't um, know. That is weird. <laughs> now, if you edit it out, it'll be like, what is he even talking well, about? So now you got to leave, leave it in. I'm going to leave it in. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I'm going to leave it in. So the, anyways, they would go like three weeks without a game. Sporting don't really play well off of rest. It's weird. They're, they're good when they just have a game a week. If they could just play a game a week all the time and never play midweek games, then they could play their starters all the time. And he'd be, Peter would be fine putting in his subs because he'd have somebody like Gotti Kinda coming off the bench or Eric Tommy coming off the bench. And then he'd have Espinoza and once Zussi gets healthy and so on and so forth. And he can go to those guys versus putting in Kyrie. I really railed on Kyrie at right back last week, last week. And I did listen to another podcast home and away. You should check them out. If you're into the nerdy deep dive tactics, which Sheena is not, but I am. No, um, I'm not. No offense to those guys, Drew and Cody, whoever. Yeah. Cody, so, yeah. They, they do a really good job of going deeper and they understand the tactical side of the game a lot better than I do. And it was interesting to listen to them break down why a lot of it wasn't Kyrie's fault. I still don't 100% agree because I do think he made some mistakes, but whatever. It's okay. We can agree to disagree. But maybe long term, that would be a better position for him because he can use his physicality. Notice when he goes in at forward, he always just cuts called for fouls all the time for bumping guys. But I think at defense, you're you're kind of allowed to be a little more physical and kind of shoulder guys off the ball versus... When you're doing that and you're gaining an advantage about to score, it's like they I swear they just call it every time. That poor guy. He got a yellow like right away in the game the other day. And I was like, I don't even think he did anything to earn the yellow. Like he had a foul, but he'd already been called for a garbage foul earlier that wasn't a foul. So I don't know. Anyways, you any know, other SKC thoughts, Sheena? Yeah. You know what I would like to see out of Kyrie? Because I I do like him as a person. I want him to be successful. And if right back is like – a position he truly could be successful in. I think what he should do is go practice down on Sporting KC too. Like they loan him down. He can get more comfortable in the position because throwing him in isn't really fair to him either. Like, you know, he doesn't really have the experience in that position. I think you said he hadn't played it. The last time he played it was when he was five so, I mean, he's like in his mid 20s, if I had to guess. So, it, I'm going to say almost, late 20s, actually. Yeah, okay, yeah. late 20s. But it's almost unfair to him. It's like he, at the same oh, it time, turns out he's it, 30. So, we're both wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, good for him. He looks great for 30. But I feel like he isn't being set up to be successful when you're throwing players into positions they haven't played in since they were a kid. Like, that's not a successful strategy. And, so I, I feel so bad that he has so much hate and 
I truly think like the frustration we had with him last week was just based off of that game, nothing to do with him as a person. And it seems like maybe other people on the internet don't know how to divide the two, him as a player and him as a person up into two different people. Um, but yeah. Be a decent human. That's a good message. Let's yeah. take a break and we'll come back with more For the Glory KC. All right, and we are back. So the Kansas City Current, as I alluded to in the opening, got a victory. Not sure they should have won, but they won 2-1 to one over the Orlando Pride. A uh, few kind of moments I want to mention from the game. Like I said, I watched this at like 2 in the morning. So Sheena was out. She was not going to be able to hang that long. Blame Fallout Boy, y'all. Again, it was an epic show. You missed something great. Haley Mace goes down hurt in the opening minutes of the game. Looked like she maybe had dislocated her shoulder. I probably should have looked up and see if they gave a diagnosis, but I haven't seen it. I'll let you Google that right now, Sheena. So she left the game immediately. Izzy Rodriguez replaced her. Dabinia scored a great goal. Uh, Vanessa DiBernardo had both assists in the game. She stole a ball, immediately played Dabinia, and then she chipped the keeper from pretty far out. Then they scored again before the half. CeCe Kaiser got a goal. But then when the second half started, I was like, oh, look, they're doing something new tactically. I love a good tactical wrinkle. They were dropping into a 4-4-2 and letting Dabinia play up top, dropping both wingers kind of as wide midfielders, Kaiser and Michelle Cooper. And then it was Dabinia with Hamley up the top, so Kristen Hamilton. But then Kristen Hamilton got called for what I think is kind of a garbage penalty kick call. She had her, her arm tucked to her chest and her elbow was out slightly. The ball, to my eyes, hit her forearm and they called a penalty, but her forearm was against her chest. So if her arm wasn't there, it would have just hit her chest and typical NWSL Paramount plus CBS garbage. They showed one replay a couple of times, which is an improvement because before they don't even replay the plays. They're like, Oh, it's a penalty. And uh, we assume it's being reviewed because there's a ton of time being taken. So I, I didn't love that. But NWSL, man. And what really gets me is that there was a handball leading up to the corner kick that led to the penalty kick. So that kind of bums me out because that's not reviewable. But Orlando had a handball that didn't get called. So anyways. That was unfortunate. Also, Chad, the only thing I can find on Haley Mace, I had to really think about it. I almost said Haley May, our dog, um, (laughs) is that she left the game with an apparent shoulder injury. But... I'm not finding much more than that at this point. Okay. It's pretty typical right in the post game that they don't have a diagnosis because they might have to wait for scans or swelling to go down or yeah. things like that. But she was like crying. It looked pretty bad. Like Aww. she looked like she's in a lot of pain as she left the field. Aww. So for a couple other thoughts on the rest of the game, and then we'll get to the U S women's national team news. Uh, there was a pretty horrific turnover by Gabby Robinson around the 80th minute. Uh, but Cassie Miller, my my dear friend that I ran into in public the other day, and we really hit it off. She made a huge save to to keep the current in the lead. And then, more of a bummer, CeCe Kaiser left the game injured. Uh, gosh, I, I, she was down for a little while. And the play-by-play lady, she was kind of getting on my nerves. I don't know why. But she said, oh, the current are cramping up. They can't handle this Orlando humidity. And I was like, no, this lady cleaned out her knee and she's hurt from that. Uh, to be fair, Tony Miola, who is the, the the color commentary on the game, former Kansas City Wizard, uh, he did say, hey, the ref was playing advantage on there because there was a foul. Uh, but he wasn't actually right either. I went back and I was like, is that right? I went back and watched it again. Kaiser gets fouled 
Orlando gets the ball back and then the current steal it again. And before they are able to spring the counter. So they're both wrong. They both weren't watching, right? Pay attention y'all. Uh, but who knows? They're probably not at the stadium. They're probably watching it on cameras and things like that. It's not a good outcome, but in the end, the defense was incredibly sketchy. It was like there was 11 minutes of stoppage time and it was awful to watch because all they were doing for probably the last 10 minutes of regulation, maybe 15, and then all of stoppage time was as soon as they'd win the ball, they'd just kick it down the field. Oh, they'd win it in open space instead of dribbling and trying to make a pass, something like that. They would just clear it down the field or knock it out of bounds. And if the current can't hold on to the ball, yes, they won this game, but I'm not filled with confidence that they're going to be able to win these other games. They, it was a ugly, ugly win. I'm glad they got the win. I'll take an ugly win over a loss or a draw any day. But man, the it was really, really tough to watch. And it has me questioning the quality of some of these players, like if they're ever going to be good enough to hang. So I'll, I can hold those thoughts as we get closer towards the end of the season. But we're pretty far in the current are still in really bad shape they had lost going into this game 75 percent of their matches and we're past the halfway oh, point dang. it's going to take quite a run for them to make the playoffs but everyone leaves for international duty after this game so some of these other teams could be pretty depleted before the challenge cup picks back up and there are so there's regular season games in there that can be taken uh, did you have any thoughts at all about the current sheen i know you didn't get to watch the game but i don't want to feel like i'm being rude and not letting you talk I was going to just say before the game went into stoppage time at the end of the game, I think in the 80th or 85th minute, I came downstairs. That's when I had woke up and, and um, you're like, they're going to probably find a way to, to lose this game because you were saying they were playing so badly. So it's good to hear that didn't happen, but it just feels like the last few games have been really inconsistent playing and that's not like a strategy that's going to help you get on a run uh, and they have so many points they need to make up. So I don't feel like they're going to make the playoffs this season, which is really unfortunate and hopefully it doesn't impact them next season when their new stadiums opening, but I don't think it will. Truthfully, no, I, th I think people are going to support this team no matter what. And I do yeah. think that, they like sporting have the ability to blame injuries a little bit because they're so banged up. But I do think there's been some bad roster construction choices. Uh, the win did pull them out of last place. They're now in 11th place. Oh, <laughs> so uh, way, way to go, Casey. Um, yeah. They are still eight points out of the final playoff spot right now, though, with only eight games to go. So there's not a ton. Or I'm sorry, nine games to go. Math is hard. There are two games before the world cup starts where all these teams will be without their world cup players the current they're going to be affected because they lose to Binia, who has been amazing leads the team in goals scored one of the goals in the match on on saturday but they might be better set up to deal with this break than other teams they didn't lose i don't think any other players so there's an opportunity there. They're playing the Portland Thorns. What a good time to catch the Thorns. They are loaded with national team talent. And Becky Sauerbrunn's hurt, so she won't be there. Although she's not hurt enough to where she might not be able to play in that game. I'm not certain. But she's not. they weren't confident that they could take her to the World Cup. So that feels like a good transition point. Let's talk about the World Cup. So the U.S. women's national team roster was released. No KC current players made the team. Only AD French and Haley Mace had been getting call-ups at all, but neither of them had made the team. Not surprising because Mace 
kind of struggled when she was called up to the national team. And then AD French hasn't even started for her own team. So it's pretty hard to justify putting her in there in the third keeper spot. She was replaced by Aubrey Kingsbury of the Washington Spirit, who the current scored on twice, but gave up three goals against the Spirit. So they lost that game. It's pretty tough. Uh, looking up and down the roster, I don't know, Sheen, if you have any thoughts, but the thing that jumps out at me the most is center back depth. No Becky Sauerbrunn because of that. We have just Alana Cook and Naomi Gurma. I think Gurma's really good, maybe world-class. And Cook is, okay, a little inconsistent, but there's literally no other center backs on the roster. So you have two starters for two positions. Now, there are players that are capable of playing that. Emily Sonic can probably slot in at center back. Julie Ertz can play center back if she needs to. She's going to be on in the midfield. But the defense has me very nervous because... What if the offense can't get going? Mallory Swanson's hurt. She's not going. So they're missing some talent. They're missing some top-end talent and really on all their lines and particularly in the defense. Yeah, I don't really have any thoughts on this. I don't know enough about the women's national team and all of the players. So It's I'll not just like we're flying talking. halfway around the world to watch the know, World Cup or anything. <laughs> this is your dream. You're the one that wanted... To see them. I mean, I'm excited. I feel like I'm a casual fan and that I'm going to root for them, but I don't know enough about all these players. I barely know enough about Casey Current. So for me to know enough about like the rest of the, the women's national team is asking a lot out of me. I only have so much time in my day. <laughs> That's fair enough. There's a lot of soccer that can be watched. So Shane, you wrote a question in the rundown. I'll just read it since you clearly Wait. are. Oh, well, go ahead. I, okay. Well, let me ask you this question. So because you're more in the know and you're, this is your life. Was there any surprises by the, the roster that was released? Like, do you like the lineup or do you feel like they missed anyone? I'm nervous about the center back depth. Like I talked about, cause if you yeah. get an injury to one of those two, then you're playing someone else out of position. Julia is incredibly capable of playing there, but she's still coming off a bad injury. Who knows how many minutes she has in her. At least those two are young and Gurma and, and Cook. And in terms of other spots, I don't know if I'm super surprised on any uh, name that popped up that I've been hearing might make the team with Savannah DeMello. She plays for Racing Louisville. You may remember she scored two goals against the current to defeat them earlier this season. And she has never played for the U.S. Women's National Team ever. So to get your first oh. call up for the World Cup, yeah. it's a little surprising not to have been considered in one of these other uh, you know, friendly competitions or the She Believes Cup or something like that. So that's a little surprising. Alyssa Thompson, the number one overall draft pick, who has admittedly been playing very well in the league and she's gotten call-ups before. She did end up making the team, probably making the spot that uh, Mallory Swanson would have been in if she wasn't injured. So no real surprises. Rapino's on the team again. You know, she's a multi-time World Cup winner. <laughs> so I think she's not going to be asked to start. I'll be interested to see who does start, though. I'm going to guess it's probably Alex Morgan, Sophia Smith, and then that other winger position's kind of up in the air for me. Is it Trinity Rodman? Is it former Casey Current, never played a minute, Lynn Williams? She's been really lighting the league on fire this year. But uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little nervous. They don't have a like high-end depth in a few spots, and the rest of the world has been catching up for a while. I think the U.S. have been ahead at women's soccer for a long, long time because despite some of the things we do in America, we're a lot better about letting women play sports than much of the world. So as soccer gets more popular in the rest of the world, like the Women's Super League final in 
uh, England, or no, I'm sorry, the Champions League final in Europe was something like 60,000 fans went to it, which is amazing. I don't think you see that for club games here. I mean, I know you don't see that for club games here. So impressive. And because of that, I think it's going to be tough. It'll be hard to win again. Yeah, I would agree with that. It, Yeah, I don't know. I thought I that last time around too, though. I was like, I don't think, I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. And then they, then they won last World Cup too. So they, they, <laughs> let's go for the three, Pete. Let's get them all. All right. Speaking of U.S. soccer, the U.S. men's national team are already back in action again. I'm going to try to keep this brief, get you guys out of here. Uh, they played Jamaica in the Gold Cup. So the Nations League, which they just won like a week ago, uh, ended and we immediately rolled into the Gold Cup. They've kind of, kind of called a B team roster in here. Sheena didn't watch this game at all either. So this is just more Chad talking. I don't think time. I was home. Uh, it was on Saturday night. Nobody was home. So, oh, okay. Fair. <laughs> um, for Fox Sports One had the game. I have a complaint. I don't know if this was any of you experienced this as well. Any of you listeners, you have to let us know. But the audio was like a second off because John Strong kept saying things and then they would happen. And I was like, does he just see the game so well that he knew that was going to happen? Like, what is going on right now? <laughs> it was very distracting to me. Uh, U.S. made us all very nervous, though. Matt Miazga kept everybody on side. This is a trend for this podcast. One player keeping everybody on side uh, for the really early Jamaica goal from Damian Lowe, who I think plays for Inter Miami, if I'm not mistaken. But he's on the Jamaica national team. Uh, Kevon Lambert is on there too from Phoenix Rising, our old stomping ground. Sheena, he's a starter oh, for Jamaica. Yeah. But we it used to like have was... season passes for Phoenix Rising. We did, yeah, and we were there at a good time because they're kind of mediocre now. They were so good for so long, so they, it's good. It's probably because we stopped getting season that's, tickets. Yeah, that's clearly what it is. Yeah, uh, and then it looked like things were going to turn from bad to worse when a penalty kick was given up by the U.S. But Matt Turner came up big, saved the penalty, although he spilled it right in front of the goal. The penalty kick taker, I think it was Leon Bailey, had a shot at it and just completely missed the net. I don't know what in the world was happening. But what I really want to talk about in this game, which is ridiculous, is the referee. They were talking all through, oh, this is one of the best referees in CONCACAF. He's just so good at it. He just called a bad game to me, both directions, not just uh, bad for the U.S. I thought there were several times the U.S. probably earned some yellow cards that they didn't give. I, had, I wrote down three of them. Uh, Jesus Ferrer was like pulled back. His jersey was grabbed to stop an attack, but he had just given the pass and off to somebody else. So he played advantage, didn't give the card. Uh, Aiden Morris got cleaned out, tackled from behind. I was like, how is this not at least a yellow card? And then Jamaica time-wasted. Honestly, I wrote it down once, but they time-wasted several times throughout the game, like kicking the ball away, picking it up and rolling it away from the spot. Those are supposed to be yellows, and they weren't given. I did write down one to DeAndre Yedlin had a, a counter where he made a foul, and there was other players coming, but I don't know that they were back-back. To me, it's at least a yellow. So I probably not a red, but he missed that one too. He let a play restart when a Jamaica player was just laying on the ground injured, like the ball had gone out of bounds and he just waved for play to go on, even though the guy was still laying there. And that's pretty typical that you don't let that happen. Now, it turned out that guy might have been faking because he got up and he was fine as soon as the play started. But in general, not a great refereed game. But the big important thing is Brandon Vasquez scored in the 88th minute. They tied. So the U.S. still have not lost in the Gold Cup in many, many years since like 2011. But my last thought, and Sheena, this is right up your alley. Have you seen the new U.S. soccer jerseys? The ones the women will also be wearing at the World Cup. I have, but I can't think of what they look like. I am pretty sure I don't like them, though. 
and I'm pretty sure I don't like them. So I always try to reserve judgment and wait until I see them in competition. I'm like, you know, maybe they'll look better on the players. They're all fit and whatnot, right? No, they looked bad. They wore the blue versions of them, and it was just like blue with blue stripes or like maybe dark blue or black. I couldn't really tell exactly what was happening. It was like a fine and then like a all red logo. Man, just wear the Waldos. Wear the sash. Wear one of these like iconic looks that the U.S. have. Like, why do they keep doing these crappy crappy jerseys u.s soccer i think maybe it was the world cup where they were wearing like the practice jerseys were like splatter paint or maybe that was the women's team i think it was the men Um, wore those too but yeah their warm-up kits were better than the game jerseys yeah yeah because i remember joking that alex morgan's daughter probably made them (laughs) oh sheena's so funny well (laughs) you wrote down a question on the rundown do you want to ask it here Yeah. So earlier in the week, I listened to my favorite soccer podcast that's not ours, Corner of the Galaxy. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. I know. I don't even like the LA Galaxy, but they make me want to listen. They have the best intro song, which I've referenced before, but they didn't even... I was listening because I wanted to hear some thoughts of like a preview, and I knew they would have a preview of the LA Galaxy sporting Kansas City game. And before they got to that, they were talking about all the different cups that are happening this summer. So I kind of wanted to get your thoughts, Chad. So this summer... In um, early to mid-July, we have the Gold Cup happening, and then the Leagues Cup and the Women's World Cup are happening at the same time. And so they were posing the question to each other, is this too much soccer, and is this bad planning by the Leagues Cup organizers to host um, the League Cup at the same time as the World Cup. So I'll let you answer those two questions before I get into the last question. Okay, so the League's, the League's Cup, oh, is MLS. Okay, yes. I thought for a second you were talking about the Nations League, which just ended. I wasn't processing properly. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know there no, was you, more you than s- one. You said it right. You said it right. Okay. So yeah, League's Cup is competing with the World Cup. To me, uh, I'm weird. So no, I don't think this is too much soccer. I'm always down to watch soccer. It can be tiring from like a trying to cover it perspective. I feel like it's easier when I'm just being a fan, but when I have to like take notes or go back and rewatch stuff that can be a little tiring when it's all on top of each other. And I definitely didn't think the gold cup was like a week after the nation's league. I I was thrown off when I saw on the schedule that that game was going to be on. So that, that threw me off a bit, but in general, I'm, I'm down to watch as much soccer as possible. I was actually thinking about it the other day when we're in New Zealand, am I going to be able to watch soccer? Like, am I going to be able to pick up these games on TV? Uh, I will have our YouTube TV, so I'd assume I can like stream that, but I hear the internet is sketchy in New Zealand because it's an island and stuff. I don't know how that affects things. The big, cords running under the ocean. I don't know. What if there's a situation where you have to go almost two weeks with no soccer outside of the women's cup or the world cup game we're going to? Well, I'm already How gonna are you going to survive? I'm already going to be homesick because I'm not good about <laughs> being away from my house. Like even we took a cruise one time that was nine days. That was way too long. I was like, I, I cannot believe we took a cruise for this long. <laughs> it was our honeymoon. So like a special occasion, you know, but in general, I am a homebody and like, will we traveled to Dallas for like four days and I was like, I cannot wait to be home. I probably had a, <laughs> Dallas was probably part of the reason because, you know, not my favorite. It, it would be weird if we can't watch any, like, I don't mind if I have to watch it at weird times. You know, I'll watch, I'll stay off my phone and just catch it in the middle of the night when you all are sleeping if I have to. But 
if we can't do it, if we can't do the podcast, what will we do? I guess we're going to figure it out when we get there, uh, what our, what our situation is, but pre warning, there may not be podcasts for a couple of weeks at the uh, end of July, beginning of August for us. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So between the leagues cup and the women's world cup, which I guess I, there's two questions that I have for you, which game or tournament will casual fans watch? And then which one will like the more hardcore soccer fans watch? I'm assuming if you're a hardcore fan like yourself, you would watch it all. And you guys today said something I've never heard him say, which is that he had a little bit of soccer fatigue. So I think there is too much soccer that can happen. Well, I watched something like four games in a row, back to back, end to end. Like it was a, it was a lot. Like I was zoning out a little bit during the SKC two game. I won't lie. I was just hitting a wall. But and the and the audio quality was terrible on the broadcast. It was so terrible. It was really hard. Like it was distracting me because every time the lady would talk, her voice would like pop and crack the mic. Like yeah, it was I'm just glad we have these games. I I don't want to be too complaining because last season they were impossible to watch. So at least this year they've gotten a decent camera and you can and you can watch them. But obviously, I think the World Cup the it's for the world. The women obviously don't draw as much as the men, and I hope that that will continue to change. Because, well, we're the best women's team in the world, the U.S. So yeah. you know, I want everybody to watch us go be the best. But that, that'll be the more casual one. League's Cup, you're going to have to have Apple. You've got to go buy MLS Season Pass to watch it. So it's going to be behind the paywall. I'll be interested to see if this gets a lot of Mexican fans picking up a subscription for a month or two months or what that looks like. Because I'm, I'm guessing a lot of them are not watching whenever it's just MLS teams that they probably mostly don't care about because... Most of the Mexican teams are, well, not most, the high-end Mexican teams are better than most of the league. I think the middle of the road to poor Mexican clubs are on par with most of our league. We'll see. So I'm interested to see how sporting and other clubs fare against these teams. And it's a a chance that you'll get at least two games. So you're going to have a chance to play at least one Mexican team. I think some people get two in their group and then you're going to get another game against an MLS side. At least we're getting Cincinnati, a team we don't play all the time. Although, it, what a bad draw <laughs> to get the best <laughs> team in the MLS right now. So I just said the MLS. I hate when I say that. Mm. Oh, my gosh. That's an all-person thing to say. That's something I would do. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's hit the digital crawl and get out of here, y'all. We got only a couple of items in here. It's basically, it's all just a schedule. So uh, we got reached out to by Sunflower State FC, which is the NPSL team, I want to say. They got mm-hmm. a July 1st double header at Rockhurst. Our Googling found 2 p.m. as the time. So hopefully we got that right. Next time we'll have to ask them to send us the uh, time. In soccer terms, though, there's never enough soccer. So if you want to watch more soccer, the U.S. Oh play their next Gold <laughs> Cup game against St. Kitts and Nevis on Wednesday, June 28th, 7 p.m. Then we're back to all the Kansas City teams. Sporting KC host the Vancouver Whitecaps Saturday, July 1st at 7.30. The Kansas City Current are on the road at the aforementioned Portland Thorns on Saturday, July 1st at 9 p.m. So there's going to be a little bit of overlap between those games. And then SKC2 finally are playing the same team. They're playing the Whitecaps 2 in KC. So basically whoever doesn't play Saturday for sporting can play on Sunday when the matchup goes down at 6 p.m., out at Rock Chalk Park. They're, we're running out of Rock Chalk games. They're going to come to Swope here before too long, and maybe we'll actually go since it won't be a 55-minute drive to go watch SKC2 play. Oh, I want to go to Rock Chalk. I really oh. want to go to that taco place we used to eat at all the time in Arizona. Yeah, we should do that. 
I can't think of the name of it right now, so it'd be Rusty hard to get Taco. there. Rusty, Rusty Taco. Taco. If you're in Lawrence, you got to go to Rusty Taco. It's so good. I love the barbecue brisket tacos because it's a little bit of a something different. Although that said, people are really into brisket here in Kansas City, so I yeah. feel like they might be a little more judgy of the quality of the brisket. In Arizona, it was pretty darn good brisket for, for you know, it's not a taco. I they just have I good- could. They have good vegetarian tacos. Yeah. I could eat Mexican food every day. I don't even know if it's really Mexican food if I get brisket inside of a taco, but I also get one that has like <laughs> a chicken strip inside of it. It's just like you can get normal tacos. Don't get me wrong. I'm just picking these weird ones because I get Mexican food all the time, I'll eat like multiple times a week. So when I go there, it's something a little different. So yeah, we got to get out yeah. there. Uh, we'll have to look it up and see if we're running out of chances. So if you all made it this far, somehow, some way, you've made it to the end. Again, we really appreciate y'all. We would love for you to go subscribe if you're not already. Every We get new subscribers every week. So somebody's listening when I say this. Yeah, thank so, you. To just, probably the people you're like, random people you meet and you find out they like soccer and they're like, oh, I have a podcast. Oh, it's true. I, I told somebody in the cauldron the other day when I was a fan and then I told several people at my daughter's soccer practice. And oh my gosh, she, was so mortified. She goes, I don't mind people I don't know knowing about this, but people <laughs> I do know, it feels weird. That said, we'd love to get to know y'all. We'll have to do some sort of like get together or something sometime. Sheena. Oh, Sheena's nervous. She's going to nervous. Oh my gosh. I just got nervous about yeah. the idea of this. <laughs> We're both actually introverts. So it'd be a little tough, but we, I bet we could pull it off. I can fake extroversion when I need to. Oh, I can <laughs> fake it. I just don't want to. It just takes every ounce of energy in us. It so. really does. <laughs> I get it. There's a lot of people like us. All right. Anyway, search for the glory Casey, wherever you get your podcast, be sure to give us that five-star rating review on Spotify and Apple podcast. You can follow us on social media and reach out to us and ask us questions at for the glory kc that's on instagram facebook twitter email us questions for the glory kc at gmail.com you can follow me on twitter at play for 90 and here is christian leo with write it like you mean it take care everybody bye